Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by listeners like you, who believe in the vital public service WRFA provides through its arts and education programming, as well as through our coverage of local news and public affairs. Plus, your generous support lets us provide a number of volunteer-based programs to be shared on our airwaves. Help keep community radio in Jamestown and Chautauqua County alive by making a contribution today. To make a tax-deductible donation or learn more about becoming a station underwriter, use the donate page on our website, wrfalp.com, or send a check to WRFA Radio, 116 East 3rd Street, Jamestown, New York. Or you can call 716-664-2465. Jamestown Mayor-elect Kim Eklund joins us to talk about her transition plans and about the 2024 budget. City Council Member-at-Large Kim Eklund defeated current Mayor Eddie Sunquist in the November general elections to lead the city of Jamestown starting January 1st, 2024. Mayor-elect Eklund joins us today in the WRFA studio. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I just have to know, how, ask, uh, how is the transition process going so far? Uh, you, you caught me. It's funny, Julia. You caught me on my first day of quote-unquote retirement from my professional uh, personal career. I retired after 34 years at eSolutions Furniture yesterday. So today is my first day really to dive into this transition a little bit more heavily than I have been. Um, because as you know, I'm still serving as city council member and finance chair. So that is also going on still. And we're in the last meeting of the month now. Um, and I'm still trying to transition and find staff and positions and get that transition team set to move forward for 2024. Who do you have helping you with uh, on your team? So as of right now, Joe Bolito is is serving as a transition team from the finance side. Um, from the law side, I have uh, former corporation counsel and attorney Rick Sotir. I have Steve Maggio, who brings a wealth of ac- expertise back into from the private sector in this in the union background. Um, and I internally into City Hall, I have Mark Dean serving because we have some big projects going on in City Hall. And Mark Dean is the IT court, um, IT head of IT, I guess, if you will. Um, so I have him involved in the day-to-day operations of City Hall for the things that you and I take for granted and forget about the city's website, you know, social media, including the two big software programs we have ongoing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking that. There is a big software transition between, it's called KBS, mm-hmm. and it's what the the finance department, I think every department uses it in mm-hmm. some way you know, to mm-hmm. put in how they're spending money, how they're bringing in money, and so that's transitioning to Springbrook? Correct. Yep. Springbrook is uh, who we will be using going forward. Uh, we anticipate the first go live in March. Uh, that will be just the general accounting and in the budgeting side of it, and then slowly going live, well, not really slowly, actively going live with the other parts of finance, which include payroll and um, you know the clerk's office and things like that after a given period. So um, had a chance to actually meet with the team from Springbrook and having just gone through a huge ERP systems change at, at eSolutions gives me a little bit of knowledge and experience there, so I think it'll go well. I want to make a joke that, you know, you're just like many other people who retire from their jobs. You're just staying very busy. <laughs> but but really, I mean, in terms of, you know, age, you're too young to be really, truly retired. So right. uh, 
And so looking at the team of people you have helping you out, I mean, what was the the kind of advice that you're hearing from, especially like I'm thinking Rick Sotir and Steve Maggio. I mean, they've been around for, I mean, decades and decades. I mean, I was familiar. Rick, when I first started covering city council back in 1999, Rick Sotir was still the corporation council. So um, what are some of the things that they're telling you and suggesting? Uh, You know, it's like everybody, I, I think, you know, some people come into it with a lot of excitement, change, looking for things. But I, and also in that is, you know, I've got two people in those two people that have years and years of knowledge of an, and, and experience. And Rick has always been a valuable asset to me. I, the city actually has even used him and contracted with him recently for litigation and, and legal issues. And I trust Rick wholeheartedly. So uh, I am not a lawyer, nor do I intend to ever become one. So to have him serve as that mediator with open cases and the best advice he's given me is just keep a level head and do what's right for the people. How is the search for possible appointments going? So like I just said, with the retirement and working full-time there, it's kind of hard to, to do a lot of things. But I this week and next week are filled with a whole bunch of meets and possible interviews. And um, I do have, you know, I have appointments with a couple more existing department heads within the city. Uh, I've met with some of them who are interested to stay. Uh, and I would say I'm in a pretty good position as far as, you know, the three or four of them. Uh, there's some lingering ones I still have to decide. And of course, I left for last the ones that will be in my office. Mm-hmm. And you know, when it comes to the timing of it, I think does do those appointments, if you do decide you know, who, you're gonna hire some folks, and I know that you have plans, um, will those come forward to city council for approval at the end of January? Or is that something that you would have ready to go on on your inaugural I think if I've locked them in, I'm going to have them on the inaugural. There may be a mix because if I haven't, two weeks isn't a lot of time for me. And especially if these people are gainfully employed, it might take a month or two. So um, I suspect it'll be a mix, to be honest with you. I would ideally like to have, you know, all the ones buttoned down that I can for the first. And then, like you said, the end of January be done. That's my goal. I mentioned inauguration. Do you have plans for inauguration? Yes, we just solidified that. Um, that was something I reached out to a lot of, I reached out to here as well at the Edge, you know, just because I wanted to try and take it out of City Hall if possible. But being a holiday and everything else, I just struggled with making people work that didn't really need to, I guess, if you will, along with being fiscally conservative, um, didn't really want to spend the money. so. It gives me great pleasure, honestly, to have it at City Hall where we should have it. So it will be at noon on 1-1 um, at City Hall in the council chambers. And uh, we will have light refreshments after. And I think the invitations are being printed as we speak. When it comes to inauguration, will there be any uh, organizational business taking place as well? Because uh, some, I, I had the question here at work because it, you had been looking at the reg, and someone said, well, what do they even do on inauguration? Don't they just swear people in? And I said, well, it depends. I said, are you doing more than just swearing in? Absolutely. So the, another task I have coincided with department heads and, and staff is obviously boards and commissions. So I'm starting my deep delve into that. So there are some commissions that are struggling with quorums 
as you know, and there are some commissions that are just down to bare bones minimum. I am focusing on those ones first. Obviously not every person on every commission's term is up. So we're gonna try and fill as many of those as we can. I've had a lot of reach out um, from people who either A, wish to stay or B, you know, are would like to be considered. So gonna try and knock off as much of those as well. And obviously you have the council change. So we have to, at the end of next week, this the meeting won't be closed. It won't adjourn and it'll, the new the old council will come on first and the new council will be sworn in so yeah it's more of a swearing in of of officials but it's also some technical things that need to be taken care of so that we can get off and running Mm -hmm. some of those technical they probably like city council will probably vote to name who their chair is the the president president yes president plus what the council president whoever that has to pick people to serve on which committee so there's some things that council members need to get off the ground and running on especially whoever is going to be finance chair and who's you know you're losing two people on finance for sure so that's a tough one to fill right i was thinking about that because i mean this might not be something that the average public even really gets really excited about but as one of those i call news nerds i was thinking i'm like gosh that's going to be a heavy lift i mean council president tony dulce is serves on finance committee but then it's you and marie karuba marie was not re-elected so uh yeah that and the finance committee has a very heavy lift out of you know not, not that the other committees don't have their work that they do as well that's you know important right. but you know in terms of all the finances and everything that it'll be interesting to see what direction um you know they decide to go with Absolutely. I mean, I've had minimal discussions with them because it's not my pick. Um, I've offered some suggestions. Um, You know, the only good side of that that everybody has commented on with me being mayor with a strong financial background that some of the other things might lighten the load a little bit and ARPA will probably, you know, start to dwindle down. So some of that will lighten. But finance is also a very busy committee in addition to the finance chair serves and by virtue of office serves in some other entities as well. So it's got to be the right fit for somebody who who can do that as well. Right. When it comes to boards and commissions, I, I know that right now on the city website, there's, you know, a form if people want to serve on a board and commission that they can sign up. Do you recommend that if there are people who are hearing, oh, this might be an opportunity for me to join a board and commission? Do you Are you encouraging people to submit inquiries to the city website or to reach out to you? I absolutely am, but I also feel if you want to do a personal reach out because I don't know what that quick turnaround is for me to get that paperwork. So I am encouraging people to either reach out to me personally and do that. So, you know, my email is on the city website. Um, You can email me and my phone number through there uh, up until the end of the year. Those will be those emails and also fill out the form if you want. But um, send an email to the city clerk she'll get it to me i i know i will get that fast right one thing that i mean i'm sure that you've been asked before is that usually you know whoever is leading the city puts their stamp on what they want to see happening with the city of jamestown and happening within city government do you have any changes that you know you're planning on trying to bring forward or things that you hope to do um, as you get into your first term you know, the first month, I think, is really going to be focusing on, I made a promise to not only the public, um, but to employees within City Hall that 
have felt very strongly that there's not some leadership leadership is lacking in direction. I, I think my first month, honestly, Julia, is going to be focused on trying to establish those relationships and make sure people understand, you know, that my door is open. Um, and in order for them to serve this community best, they have to be happy and have some direction internally. So I, I think that will be my first thing. Obviously, I have a hand up in that I've been in government for a while. So some of those things might be smoother than I think. But the other thing, major priority for me right now, um, especially given the news of the recent budget miss, is making sure we're fiscally responsible and in line to do those things that will require financial backing and stability, whether it's a housing initiative or a public safety initiative or any of those things. If we're not fiscally sound, um, you know, how are we going to handle that in the future? So it's not just a look at what we got for the 2024 budget, it's the next five years. So uh, my plan is to bring in somebody in the controller position to work with um, Joe Bolito, who has been serving interim, who is very strong in the budgeting and the fiscally stability of a, of a business or a city. So that is my intention. And I think that needs to be our primary focus. And I think some of those other things will come into play. Right. And that kind of gives a good lead in because I want to talk about the 2024 budget because there was a lot of information that we learned this week. I know some of it you've, you've known, uh, you know, leading into because you've been in communications with Joe Bolito, but he put out um, a correspondence to city council members and administration saying, you know, lining, outlining his concerns on, on different parts of the 2024 budget, citing, you know, concerns about shortfalls or that you know that there were some estimates in the budget that were maybe too high and there was a response from the administration uh, uh, as well and I've been trying to parse my way through both documents and in correspondence when it comes to what is happening with the 2024 budget which I guess I mean we can also probably talk about the 2023 budget we're still in that year in this year in this fiscal year but there's there's just a lot of things that I'm not sure what is going on, but it sounds like we have a shortfall of some degree. Um, absolutely. Uh, as you know, Julia, since you come to every meeting, um, some people say I nitpick or I'm too, um, too many questions as just a council member when it comes to finances. But as you know, for reiteration for the public, we haven't had a controller for a year. And Joe Bolito has been filling in part-time. Um, just to try and help out with that being said he just finished closing 2022 again we're we're at the end of 2023 by charter we should have had 2022 closed and audited in february of this year so we've gone a whole year without knowing how we closed a year and we're two budgets into past that trying to prepare and be make sure we're doing the right things and expenditures are where they said we were and all those things. So that creates a heavy load for um, Joe only being part-time and Carol, the uh, deputy controller, being new. So they worked hard and Joe just recently closed 2022. The auditors are now off-site. They have been here and they are finishing the audit. Unfortunately, won't happen till after the first of the year. So going into that, long story short, we don't know how we closed 2022. Did we really create the revenue that, did we really add to the fund balance the number the mayor's proposed? Are we even close? Um, I keep hearing there's been some adjustments in what they've done, so I'm not sure what that entails. 
until the audit is done. So that's a risk. So 2023, I have some concerns, as you know, where you can call it what you want. Inflation is high. People's discretionary spending is not what it is. So from a budgeting standpoint, there's that overlying cloud, I guess, if you will, of how we're going to close 2023. Um, so when we got 2024 budget, Joe Bolito was not involved in the process of the mayor's team. Uh, it was other staff. So when I got to look at it, um, the bottom line is it had a million dollar increase and usually generally it's not that significant. So it threw a flag to me as the finance chair of where are we getting this from? There's no way we're getting that much more revenue um, to warrant spending and increasing a budget by over a million dollars for a city of Jamestown. So that being said, we got through the very obvious, adopted a budget but I had requested that Joe Bolito review not only the 2024 budget, that he look at 2023 and see if he sees anything that could be a big risk for us. Obviously, Joe reviewed that 2023 and looked at the two big things, and that's retirement and healthcare. Um, salaries are pretty predictable. So he had a little bit of wavering concerns, but he's not, um, I guess, as concerned for 2023 as he is for 2024. In that memo you're referencing, we're referen um, we're, he's estimating to us that we are roughly two and a half million dollars short from what we adopted. Um, there was an error in the chips in the process of basically for average Joe and in, in and in out. Um, when you have a revenue, you have to have an offsetting expense for it with chips, and that was not done correctly. So that's 1.6 of the 2.5, and that's inevitable. Mm -hmm. So we definitely have a $1.6 million hole. The other two areas Joe is concerned about, and the mayor and his team disagree, is health care and retirement. Um, again, I have Joe reviewing the mayor's response and looking at the details, and I'm just looking for what the actual data is to make sure we're covered. But overall, it's 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 significant and concerning. Right. I'm looking at um, the number that he was saying for New York State retirement, which I know historically New York State retirement can be a huge cost and impact to the city budget, uh, and especially in the amount it's gone up over the last couple decades. And he's saying in this that it's about $700,000 that he thinks has been underfunded. Correct. And 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 I wondered about that because <clears throat> you and I were both at the Chamber of Commerce's annual meeting mm -hmm. on Friday, the December 8th, where state comptroller Tom DiNapoli was there and he mentioned about okay there yeah the retirement is going to be some increase there were some increases in the last couple of years and I'm thinking well I didn't hear that retirement costs went up right and I'm like that's strange and I thought I wonder how that if I mean I wonder if that was reflected in the budget so then I see just you know less than a week later half a week later and I see Mr. Bolito's message and it seems like he had the same concerns that I did and I, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a finance person by far I just kind of learned right. from the folks that you know have been leading us all but um so that was one thing and then of course we know health insurance seems to the city's self-insured correct but there's still big costs associated with that and um and he and I see he said in here I believe that the number was was overstated um it was a, a budgeted number of $2,475,000 that he feels that that number was overstated um, in 2024 for contributions. This mm -hmm. is for, so this was health and dental insurance employee and retiree contributions. So 
so in that he didn't really get into so you know what the amount then is after but yeah that's that's 2.5 million dollars just that small change for a size city you know that we have when, here no yeah. when yeah. your budget is 30 30 between 34 and i don't know what the actual number is but uh you're looking at a 30 35 million dollar budget roughly because uh, obviously the numbers don't jive this year i'm not exact two and a half is significant as far as i'm concerned it's not something where we can just say oh well we will we won't buy that item this year two and a half million to reallocate means especially in chips funding means i some projects may not get done and that is concerning for me because there's a lot of projects we keep pushing down the line to not get done um, i have an email out to the acting director of public works and asking what does this mean for you in the mayor's proposal to allocate the funding this way um, so i'm i'm going to be diving into that as we speak and trying to figure out what's the best for us um, part of that obviously that I know some people, as you mentioned in your story yesterday, are not going to be happy if we take away that demolition money. There is still demolitions through through CDBG, and there is still the million or seven hundred and fifty thousand going on in demolitions through uh, the land bank. The land bank. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, so there's still going to be demolitions. This was a new program in addition. And if you recall in the meetings, I still had some concerns about how we were going to manage that anyway. Uh, you know, we moved that 750 actually million dollar allocation of ARPA to the land bank because the staff in DOD couldn't handle that. And all we keep hearing right now is they're overstaffed, they're overworked, there's not enough of them. And uh, adding another $500,000 in demolitions was concerning to how we were going to see that done anyway. So to me, as much as I want to see demos, maybe this year's not the right time to do that. That doesn't mean we can't do it down the road. Right. And I was thinking, well, the thing with chips, I mean, that was one figure that Mayor Sunquist did agree that, yes, there was issues with that number. He, he wouldn't, he sounded like he didn't agree that it was 1.6 million about with in terms of the shortage, but he agreed and offered the suggestion of, okay, maybe we'll, we'll move the $500,000 from the demolitions over to cover that shortfall. And he also then said, oh, and move over the $250,000 that was Oh, maybe it was one hundred fifty thousand dollars. I'm sorry. Yes. From the for a sidewalk repair program, which that was also it was kind of a, a newish program. It was I think had been ARPA funded, but then this was like I think putting it more permanently in place with which a, which a line item. So and if you recall, mm -hmm. we already took fifty thousand out of that. Right. So I think the recommended amount was three hundred thousand in the budget. So that would only leave a hundred thousand in mm -hmm. that line item for new sidewalks, which is a complaint we hear all the time right so uh, those are two programs that were new programs so these aren't programs that weren't existing so i you know thinking forward to mm -hmm. 2025 that's those two programs alone represent about about seven hundred fifty thousand dollars that you have to find somewhere in right. the, in 2024 to fill correct. that budget gap correct and, and i mean granted you have a good fund balance but you can't keep you, just like in your private yeah. life, you can't keep taking from your savings account and not putting in there, right? So, you know, the recommended save, uh, amount that we're supposed to have in our fund balance, we have exceeded. And I'm not opposed, obviously, to using some of that. But using $2.5 would be detrimental. Right. That's understandable. And, and plus, what do you do 
in 2026 when you're creating a budget. And Correct. again, it's like an, a cascading effect. And I mean, I don't think we're going to see a big boost in sales tax revenue that we saw like in 2020. Well, that was totally unanticipated how much sales tax revenue was going to come in that year. Um, but things have really leveled off there. Um, the only reason they haven't is because things are more expensive. Mm -hmm. And if things start dropping like they say they're going to do, then that sales tax number is also more impacted because you're you're not paying as much. And so whatever it is, you know, eventually things got to come down to sustain themselves and that being in the housing market and things like that. I think you're starting to see some of that. Well, when you're paying tax on that $100,000 home, that really is 50,000. That's a significant impact on sales tax. And, is it, and I think back to a proposal that was, I think it was earlier this year about doing a revaluation. Mm -hmm. I think it was very early in 2023 and you maybe the decision not to go forward with that. I mean, is that something that you think is going to happen within you know the next four years still or is it that possibly could uh, that's another department that has some changes coming that have been bestowed upon me is um, the assessor will be retiring after the first of the year so i'm i'm also looking on um one person i forgot to mention on my transition team is the former assessor randy holcomb and randy holcomb is engaged in some conversation with me with trying to find a new assessor that may be a position we may fill temporarily with an old assessor uh, like you had mentioned with a timing issue and trying to get somebody and find somebody um, that is the right fit for Jamestown m might not be the first of the month of the year mm -hmm. and I believe she's retiring one too so you know there's some things we can do to you know we can keep holdovers we can keep um, in a legal case we can outsource some of the legal stuff that we need to um, but my concern is we need to have somebody in-house because we have all our contracts coming up and we have some things that are very critical with the city that we need an attorney right and going back to some of this budget stuff and we were talking about chips and and we had received the city had received a record amount of chips funding so to hear that there was this kind of huge discrepancy i it's just i i'm trying to understand how do we get more money in chips money but then we still have a 1.6 million dollar shortfall i'm just i don't know if you've had any sense for how that happens or uh in all fairness i think um inexperience with preparing a municipal budget and and again anybody who has not been in government trying to work on a budget it's new it's not I'm not being critical I'm being honest and fair um, there are some things that are totally different in the private sector than in government and chips and state funding is one of those so um, I'm really baffled at a lot of things that I saw, you know, and, and I know the mayor keeps saying he's disappointed we cut department heads and didn't give him the raises he proposed, but in all honesty, it, it's doing what's right and it's doing what's fair. Um, I haven't heard any of those department heads complain, but we'd all like to make more money. It, it is what it is, um, but on the other hand, we have to be, even if we don't understand it, I, I realize that sometimes in the finance world, your, your job goes beyond eight to five. And if that requires you getting some education and some training, I think we need to do that for the health of the city. 
We talked a lot about things internally um, with uh, city government, but it comes to mind that, you know, leading the city of Jamestown, which is the biggest municipality in the Chautauqua County, have you heard, has anybody reached out to you from, um, you know, the county or mm-hmm. IDA, or have you, you know, reached out to them yourself, have, have heard anything about how that relationship will be? I absolutely have. As you know, I have a good relationship with with our state assemblymen and state um uh, Senator uh, George and Andy, but I also have a good relationship with uh, the county executive. So that's the easy ones. You know, it's it's really honestly, obviously working in the private sector the same hours as you know most of these people work in the IDA and all you know the Gabby Foundations and all those things downtown and the businesses downtown. Uh, my goal is to get acquainted with them. Uh, I come from a very strong manufacturing background. I'm familiar with a lot of the manufacturers, but beyond that. You know, they may know who I am, they may know what I do, but to actually sit and visit with them, no, I think that's something that's a priority for me. But I have received a lot of reaching out from, you know, from the county, the chamber, the IDA, from the Gabby. You know, I've worked with the Ice Arena staff on a couple of things during my campaign. So um, everybody's here. I think everybody has the same goal, and that's to make Jamestown the best it can be. And it's just different ways of getting there. Is there anything else that you'd like to update us on or tell us about that's going on in, in this uh, change in your life and, and the cities? <laughs> yeah, it is a big change. You know, I'm excited for the future, but it's also, you know, it's it's bittersweet leaving a company that you've worked through through some serious ups and downs. And um, and I, too, want to see them sustain and, and be a huge investment in the area because they employ a lot of people that live in Jamestown. So. Um, that being said, I, you know, I'm off the ground running today at nine o'clock meeting with you and some other events. I, I definitely am going to be working straight through, uh, my husband joked with me this morning as we all are also, uh, revamping his parents' home that we have inherited. And, uh, he said, well, you don't have anything to do. You can come paint for me. And <laughs> so I, you know, it's kind of the joke that I never sit still and, and, and I'm going to try to make this as an easy transition, not only for the employees in city hall, but also for the community. Right. And I look forward to it. We'll be continuing. We'll be uh, the monthly interview that we always do with the mayor of Jamestown. You'll be doing those with me maybe a week later in January than we normally would when we talk to the mayor, because I don't think either of us wants to talk on January 2nd when <laughs> you have just been inaugurated. We'll have plenty to talk about the following, but we'll get on that regular schedule. So folks, you will be kept updated by Mayor Eklund. So um, Kim, thank you so much for coming in today. No, thank you for having me. Always a pleasure.